Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome once again to the Box Jumper Podcast. I'm your host, John Sainamon. Today's topic is one I've been spending more and more time researching and thinking about lately. Physical therapy. Not because of an injury, um, but because in spending more time learning about the biomechanics of movement, I'm finding that the lens through which I coach athletes and evaluate my own movement as a CrossFit athlete is changing in subtle ways to incorporate this thinking. Understanding the mechanics of joint movement, the relationships between muscle groups, the physical forces at play during key movements, I find myself with a deepening understanding of how these factors contribute to the 10 general physical skills we use in fitness. Cardiovascular, respiratory endurance, stamina, strength, flexibility, power, speed, coordination, agility, balance, and accuracy. If you've ever gone to a physiotherapist, you know that they spend a considerable amount of time evaluating your movement, looking for the root cause of whatever the issue is that you're experiencing. They'll manipulate joints, looking for any evidence of an impingement, or have you perform range of motion drills to help identify any imbalances or weaknesses that may go unnoticed to the untrained eye. And often they'll prescribe exercises for their patients to perform on their own to supplement the treatment that they receive in their office. Some will have their patients use implements, uh, with which CrossFitters are very familiar, a wooden dowel, dumbbells, kettlebells, exercise bands, and even barbells, all in an effort to build up and restore your body to proper working order, and taking it further still, raise the patient's baseline to provide resistance to similar injury in the future. In many ways, this philosophy is very similar to what we aim to achieve in CrossFit. The majority of us are using CrossFit to better our physical health. An older athlete might be working to increase their capacity, maintain independence, and stave off the old age home. When I load a barbell and do a deadlift, I'm doing training for everyday life. So when I'm lifting something heavy from the ground in my garage, I not only have the strength to accomplish the task, but I've also developed the correct habits in terms of body position and the mechanics of the movement to do it safely. Physiotherapists put this into practice every day, informed by their unique training in physiology and biomechanics to help their patients regain and retain healthy movement. At Osprey Athletics, I'm fortunate. Uh, I have access to some terrific mentors in this subject matter. Mike and Anita Connors, both physiotherapists with their own practice of several offices in the Halifax area, are CrossFit athletes at Osprey. And for the past several years, I've gotten to know them and learn from them as their professional life started to kind of cross over a little bit into their gym life. They've become integral members of not just the CrossFit uh, community at Osprey, but invaluable members of the coaching team there, working with the coaches to help us better our understanding of the, the dynamics of what they do and how to apply that knowledge to our coaching. And they too have been working with the coaches to apply things that we see to their practice. So naturally, I was eager to sit down with both of them for the podcast and talk a little shop. So in 10 seconds, we'll get started talking with Mike and Anita about some of the natural synergies between physiotherapy and CrossFit that they're incorporating into their practice and Osprey coaches are bringing to our athletes. Mike and Anita Connors, welcome to the podcast. Um, you, I've known you two for uh, quite a while now. I mean, really, we've we've all been working out together for some time, and we've crossed paths in that aspect at the gym a number of times. But I've never really sat down with you in this kind of environment and really gotten a whole lot of detail on 
what it is that you do. You're both physiotherapists by profession, um, but you're also CrossFitters. You're both L1 uh, coaches, um, and you've had a, a hand in some of the uh, additional education that has come to Osprey Athletics for the coaches to participate in, uh, particularly in the, in the last uh, little while, bringing together a seminar that uh, many of us attended that allowed us to kind of bridge the gap between what CrossFit trainers do and what physiotherapists do. So before we get into that, that melding of your gym life and what you do professionally, why don't we back way up? How'd you become physios? How did that become your thing? I think for me, I had a pretty typical uh, entry into the profession. I, w- I played a lot of sports growing up and I got hurt a number of times, but uh, mm. the biggest injury that I had as a young guy was a, a fractured arm playing hockey, which brought me into physio for a couple of months uh, for rehab. And while I was there, I kind of, I enjoyed it. I liked the physio that I worked with. He was a, he was an interesting guy and we had a lot of fun while I rehabbed. So I think it, it kind of piqued my interest at the time. Um, from there, I moved into looking at it as a profession and I ended up doing some summer jobs in, in the same physio clinic. Um, and then I kind of moved forward into my post or into my, uh, post-secondary education and did athletic therapy at Acadia and kind of had my eyes set on physio. So it's been pretty steady progression upward. Uh, like many people, you get injured, you get introduced, you like your, you have a good experience and, and it goes from there. Well, if you're lucky, you have a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the things that we try to do in our clinic is, (laughs) is to, make sure everyone does have a good experience mm-hmm. because we saw the benefit of what it did for, for me, for sure. Right. Uh, I was not athletic as a kid. <laughs> I, seriously? Seriously. Nothing. I, okay. So <laughs> just be, before you, before you tell how, how, I mean, how wrong I was about <laughs> what your past is, uh, Everything I've seen in the gym in the last several years would, would have led me to believe that you were a star athlete growing up. So what the hell? <laughs> I was a mediocre figure skater. <laughs> um, no, I was a pretty just average kid play, you know, I skipped and I did like the average kid stuff, but I did nothing organized um, except for some figure skating. Um, and like I said, I was okay at that. Um, and then through high school, I was pretty sedentary until grade 11 or 12. And I started to take some aerobics classes in the basement of a church. <laughs> so that's my fitness background. Um, usually with 60 year olds, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was pretty much it. So I had no experience with physio. I, I stumbled upon it. So I was in school. I did well in sciences. I enjoyed biology and yeah. I didn't love chemistry. So I started to chat with, um, uh, academic advisor and we kind of just laid out like what are the options in this realm and I was like oh physio oh. sounds cool <laughs> so so sort of the, the spreadsheet <laughs> spreadsheet matrix of here are all the jobs that apply when you like this type of science but not this type of science yeah I didn't want to sit at a desk and that was pretty much all I, I should knew. probably do that with my kids <laughs> well my youngest <laughs> anyway. my oldest has kind of already got her uh, her thing sorted out but uh, the youngest is still trying to figure out where she she might like to go and <laughs> She does like certain aspects of science, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. So. See, that's the sciencey way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when so how did when you when you decided that was the path that you wanted to take? Was it uh, an immediate fit 
for you or, or it, was it just that once you were committed, you were hell bent on, on finishing and, and that's where you were headed? More that way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was, I'm, I've been practicing for 15 years now. So back when I got in, I didn't need a degree first. There was a two year prerequisite list that you had to complete and have a certain average, blah, 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 to meet criteria to get an interview or mm-hmm. to get in off your marks. Um, and so I did those two years of like kind of kinese based courses, biology, physio stream sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. after my first year, I mean, and then I just applied and I got in. So it was the kind of like, well, I'm here now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what this ends up looking like. Hmm. Did you did you guys meet in, in school or did you wind up meeting after you were in already my last in profession? Year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So when what what commonly happens with physios when they come out of school? Do you do you commonly go into someone else's practice or is it more common to start your own? I think it's a it, there's a lot of choices. Um, so physio is is what we know of physio is orthopedic physio or musculoskeletal physio, mm-hmm. but there's also cardiorespiratory physio, there's neurology, there's, there's pediatrics. Um, so most people, they, they kind of decide within that two to three year period, what type of physios they want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both wanted to be MSK or orthopedic physios, which, you know, there is an option to work in a hospital, but we've, we wanted to work in the private industry. Right. Uh, so we had our minds set on working in, in clinical practice, uh, right from the get go. Um, I think even growing up, I always consider, I didn't even know that there was physio in hospitals that did neurology and pediatrics. I, I knew physio as sports physio or clinical physio. Uh, so my mind was always set that I was going to work in a clinical setting. Is that something that you figure you would have been attracted to more anyway? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's more my personality. It's 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 more my focus. It certainly fits with your experience and having been introduced to the profession when you were a patient. Yeah, exactly. So it was like I said, it was all I knew. Yeah. So that was physio to me. Um, yeah. So you know, I I kind of moved towards that clinical setting right away and and really never turned back. So started off working for someone else and then eventually had the opportunity to to buy out the practice as as my old partner was uh, retiring mm-hmm. and uh, so then we became clinic owners so it was a it was a nice progression all the way through yeah and was that a single a single clinic location at the time or was it multi-clinic no we were both living in the valley at the time well pretty early <clears throat> and uh, we decided we were going to move back to Halifax and one of our professors had two clinics, two separate clinics, and we had been talking to her on a course, and uh, she had said that there might be a possibility of two positions opening up in two different clinics, and we took those positions. So it kind of fell in. It was right timing, right place, right time. Mm-hmm. Um, so Anita worked in Sackville, and I worked in Halifax, and over, I don't know, what was it, five, seven years, we started to buy into the practice. Um, and, you know, as of three years ago, mm-hmm. we took over the practice uh, 100%. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So that that uh, overlaps your, your experience in CrossFit rather closely, too, because it was, what, yeah. three and a half, almost four years ago that you both would have gotten involved in CrossFit? Three, yeah, three, it would have been three years ago. Yeah. yeah. It, it kind of coincided almost exactly, actually. And there's a bit of a funny story on how we, we got into um, got into CrossFit. Uh, both of us were kind of avid global gym 
kind of goers for many, many years. Mm-hmm. We had memberships at Good Life. And when we were at university, we went to the university gyms and that type of thing. Um, but as we started to take over the practice and we built another practice, uh, life started to get really busy at work and, and stressful. And, you know, our, our time at the gym was starting to get less and less. And we started to kind of lose the passion for it. And, right. uh, I think uh, one day Anita kind of came home and she was training for a half marathon at the time and she wasn't lifting weights and she just said, I think we need a change. We need to do something. And I kind of, uh, I kind of resisted. I resisted because <laughs> uh, I felt like everybody, everyone thinks that they're too busy. And I felt that I was right. too busy if I wasn't getting to a 24 hour gym uh, mm. because I didn't have time. How am I going to find time? To go into a CrossFit setting, which is allocated times and classes. Yeah, structured. Yeah, so I was really resistant to it. And Anita said, well, let's let's give it a go. Let's try uh, a community class, which we did. And then we ended up making it to Osprey, which at the time was Rocky Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, I kind of fell in love with it and found time, like everything, if mm-hmm. you set your priorities. and. I really enjoyed it. And the structure of having an, an allocated time or a class that you had to attend, uh, you sign up for it, you better go, uh, made it easier for me because I just made it a scheduled uh, activity as opposed to, yeah. I think my day is over. I'm going to be driving past the gym. I'll pop in for an hour. Right. No, I had to leave work and get there for 4.30. And right. if it meant that I had to go back to work after, so be it. But I, I, I was able to put my, my time into the fitness. Was it the accountability of that class <laughs> schedule or the, the community, you know, asking where the hell you were when you didn't show up or was it both? <laughs> I think for me it was both because I, you know, I didn't want to. At the time, we had wait lists and, and there was people trying to get into classes mm-hmm. who couldn't get into classes. And if I was lucky enough to get one of those spots, I felt bad if I couldn't make it. Right. Um, it also made you accountable for like not dawdling. Like, oh, I'll have another cup of coffee or, oh, I'll go in five more minutes. That's true. Five yeah. You've minutes, got that five more minutes specific start gone. time that you have to mm-hmm. be there for. Yeah. Or I'll go home and grab a bite to eat, but then find yourself not leaving the house again because you got comfortable. Yeah. So you, you just made it a part of your day. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm probably talking for myself, but I think we're both in the same boat. We really enjoyed it. We enjoyed the workouts. We enjoyed the challenge of learning different techniques and different skills. And and for me, especially, it gave me back that competitive kind of level that I never had for a long time. Mm-hmm. I was a, I was a, a competitive you know, athlete, I always played sports and, and competed, but for much of my adult life, I wasn't competing anymore. I was playing rec league sports and that type of thing. But like so many of us, that competitive nature that we have when we're younger winds up just not finding a way to, to fit into the, the life that we lead when we're older. So for me, that it wasn't even competing against other people. It was competing against myself and yeah. trying to get better at, you know, can I do X number of pull-ups versus last week when I can only do this? And right. Am I going to finally crack the skill of doing a double under? Uh, those types of things were challenging from both a, a physical and a technical, intellectual kind of point of view for us. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's the neurological component of what we do in the gym is kind of an interesting part of that. You know, I, I see in my role in, in being responsible for some of the pre-flight classes and, you know, I get to see every new athlete when they come in, I get to see just how the the degree of coordination or uncoordinated they happen to be when they mm-hmm. come in. And 
the changes that you get to see in, in very short order, even before their strength starts to climb. Yeah. Um, just how coordinated, how much um, more technique starts to be involved in their ability to lift, which, you know, we all, we call, we want to see that before we start seeing them lift really heavy anyway. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then there are others that have a real challenge with that neurological adaptation, the coordination and the agility that re- that is required to move mm-hmm. that same amount of weight that they mm-hmm. were able to lift on day one, even two months later is still challenging because they're still working on that neurological component, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of an interesting area where it, seems to complement what you do in physiotherapy as well, because it does seem like there's such an, uh, there's the rehabilitation aspect of um, coming back from an injury isn't just purely about the the physical rehab. There's that neurological component too, particularly if they've done something stupid like I did a couple of months ago, hurting a nerve in my neck. Mm-hmm. And did I have too. to, re- <laughs> surprising True. how many of us have done this. Uh, and it's, and it's nothing with, CrossFit specifically, it's that we as older athletes are challenging our bodies to do things that we don't normally have the ability to do. And so we expose ourselves to the same risk that a 20-year-old does, and it just happens to affect us a little bit differently. But to be honest, I'd rather treat the 45-year-old that did something stupid at the gym and hurt themselves Mm. than the 45-year-old that's completely sedentary and has conditions that are due to sedentary lifestyle yeah it's easier to treat an athletic person or at least an active person that's hurt themselves than it is to try to get an unfit person that's unhealthy up to a level where they're going to live longer and function better yeah you can get back from a you know pinched nerve or a sprained shoulder or something Mm -hmm. um and you will get back from that so it's it's a small price to pay to have less chance of a heart attack and chances very true and all those things yeah i'll take that yeah Mike and I have talked about that a couple of times where, um, you know, it's not just their ability to get back, but it's their their mental fortitude and, and their attitude towards training themselves to come back from an injury. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not like a worker's comp injury or an injury to someone that has been sedentary. When, when somebody hurts themselves, even if they do it outside the gym, but they are a regular gym goer, their priority is to get healthy quickly so that they can get back to that part of their routine. And so arguably anyway, even though they're stubborn as hell, they're also more likely to be compliant with what you're asking them to do. They're more likely to follow the protocol that you give them. Yeah. And, and so that working. makes them a better patient in yeah. a roundabout way. Yeah. yeah. And ultimately, you know, CrossFitters, runners, anyone who does any type of, of high-end training uh, is used to training. So they're used mm-hmm. to putting in hours a week. Yeah. They're used to scheduling exercise in their life. So if they can't go to the gym... Um, because of an injury, we recommend that they, yes, they should still go to the gym, Mm -hmm. but they're going to do it different. They're going to scale. They're going to do accessory work. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got a lower, lower limb injury. Well, start working on your upper extremities, start working on your shoulder strength, start working on your gymnastics. You know, there's, we have people at the gym that are hanging off the rig with, with a a walking boot. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of population I think that you see in CrossFit is that, it's a part of their life. It might be their stress relief. It might be just their their social life. It might be just their passion. Um, so if you tell someone, hey, you got a walking boot, but we can still work on on gymnastics. We can work on your pulling, your kipping, and you yeah. you know your your hanging. Um, so let's keep you in the gym for an hour a day, but let's give you twenty minutes worth of physio exercises as accessory work that is going to help you 
progress as you go through. Yeah. Everyone in this room right now, unfortunately, has had a very similar neck injury. Mm. And all of us have had to work on different skills while we were rehabbing that injury. And, you know, realistically, we probably all got better at some other skill. Yeah, I was going to say injury. that diverted focus, uh, I found fairly helpful. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. It irritated me to not be able to do some of the yep. things that I wanted to be able to do, but I did get stronger at some other things that I yep probably been a little lazy about focusing on yeah, and you can clean up your technique if you have to slow down a little bit oh yeah, yeah. very much so yeah. especially when when you know whatever it is for me like some of the little aches and pains that i've had along the way have only limited how much i could do either either in terms of volume or in terms of the load mm-hmm. i could still complete the full range of motion which i felt was really helpful because mm-hmm. then i was able to just kind of slow myself down put the brakes on very deliberately and get better at moving whether it's moving the barbell or pulling myself up to the rig, just anything that slowed me down actually made me better at it in the longer term anyway. Mm -hmm. So it was good to have that kind of check and balance. And one of the really cool things about CrossFit is it's infinitely scalable. So you can go in there with any number of things and we can still make it look like pretty close to what other people are doing. So you come out feeling like, okay, I'm gassed, I'm pooped, I had a workout. It looked a little different, but I still, it still looked like CrossFit. Oh yeah. We didn't have to make it something completely different. And the nice thing is, I mean, certainly with the certainly with the CrossFit going patients and even those that are just gym regulars, they are, compared to the regular population, more comfortable getting uncomfortable. So when you give someone exercises to do the, to rehab them, they don't always feel good when they're doing them, um, but they have to do them and, and recognize that they have to do them in order to be able to get back to full health. And with at least uh, certainly with the CrossFit crowd, because it's really easy to, to pigeonhole us CrossFitters as being comfortable with getting uncomfortable. We do it every single day. That's the whole premise of the program is <laughs> high intensity and short intervals makes you very uncomfortable and then you recover and then you do something else. Um, but it works. And so we're all very comfortable with that. We know that once we're done, it feels better and we get stronger and we do things more effectively. And so we see those results. So, you know, whether it's in the gym or in a physiotherapy environment or in this weird amalgam with with your clinic having a satellite office at the gym, both at the same time. Mm -hmm. So how did that come about? Um, How did you wind up actually having your experience as a CrossFit athlete and your experience as physiotherapy clinic owners Mm -hmm. start crossing over in that way? I think it happened fairly organically. Uh, When we started off at the gym, we actually didn't tell anyone we were physios because this was our escape from uh, work. And it was our escape from... Why open the floodgates to all the questions? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we didn't also want to look like we were ambulance chasers, you know, going into a gym and trying to, you know, drum up business because we heard that CrossFit can sometimes give you business. Yeah. Uh, We went there completely personally for our own fitness and our own uh, stress relief and and all of those good things but um, over time as CrossFit does you become a part of the community you become friends with the people that you're sweating with every day eventually somebody asks you what you do someone figures out what you do (laughs) (laughs) so you end up giving a little bit of advice here and there and then someone asks you something else and then all the coaches all of a sudden realize that you you do know some stuff about bodies and that type of thing so Then there's just questions that came up. So as that went on, then we started seeing some of our, our uh, community within our own clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it came down to a, a conversation with Rob and Tisha and said, you know, what? 
we would love to be a bigger part of this gym. Mm -hmm. um, we went and did our L1, which was part of the reason we did L1. Uh, but we kind of wanted to be completely immersed into the sport and say, well, we're now have the ability to coach. We have the ability to treat the clients. How about we figure out a way that we can meld the two together mm -hmm. and become coaches and physios and potentially kind of push information back and forth. We could teach the coaches some things about physiology and anatomy and, and rehab. And the coaches can teach us a lot of things about technique, yeah. which, it, you know, it's, it's a great relationship to go back and forth because I think we've become better physios because of the coaches that we work with. And hopefully at some point in time, the coaches are going to feel that they might have learned something from us. You know, so. Well, I, can, uh, I can't speak for the rest of them, but I know myself, I, I, I certainly have seen the benefit in being able to just ask the odd question, um, particularly when it, when it applies to analyzing movement and knowing that some of your patients are in my classes as well mm -hmm. means that as long as they okay it, then we can share information back and forth and they feel like they're, they're being well looked after in both environments. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been really eye opening for me yeah. uh, because, you know, there were, there were people that I've always had athletes in, in my classes, particularly being responsible for the master's program where everybody had a few different things that were going on, whether it was an ailment with their shoulder, they had a hip impingement or something along those lines. And, you know, I learned over time because it's not like I've done this for a really long time. I've been a coach in various different um, sports since I was 20. Mm -hmm. But, you know, CrossFit is a very specific thing and the movement patterns are very uh, specific. And so being able to coach athletes that are a little bit older that have certain mobility issues was something that I had to learn how to do. Um, and so having the, the ability to share knowledge back and forth with both of you has been, has accelerated my ability to learn on the fly and apply some of those things uh, in class in dealing with some of these athletes. And it helps that they come in so well informed mm -hmm. because they're being treated by you and, and you know the material so well being CrossFit coaches and athletes yourselves, you're able to give them actively give them some, some specific things to do to talk to the coach that's responsible for their class so that we're not having to make things up on the fly. It's actually a, a two-way street and we're able to discuss that with them and talk about what modifications to a movement they should be prioritizing because of how it fits into your overall treatment plan. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that presents a really unique opportunity, something that not every gym gets to be able to experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really is a two-way street. Like we've learned a lot from the coaches in the gym too. We spend a lot of time asking questions ourselves of mm -hmm. like, you know, what's this supposed to look like and what's the ideal? Because you don't learn that stuff in physio school. Like right. we learn a little about movement, but that's stuff we've done in postgraduate work yeah. um, to really learn how to break down movement, <clears throat> but then like to learn the movement of a clean and jerk. That's nothing we learn in physio school. Right. So we need you guys. <clears throat> and so it being a two-way street, we know the joints and the muscles and how things should move, but you guys know the what's that movement particularly supposed to look right. like. So it's been really helpful to kind of pick everybody's brain in the gym, and we've gotten a lot of information from a lot of people. Yeah, and on the weightlifting side, having a coach like Isaac Smith in our gym coaching every day is is a huge benefit. because yeah, he's, the, he's helped the, a lot. The depth of knowledge that he has in weightlifting specifically as as a coach. I mean, he's been a competitive coach for quite some time and a competitive athlete as well. Mm -hmm. And so 
anytime I have any questions whatsoever, I, I come to him. But more often than not, I just kind of sit at the back of the room and watch what he does when he coaches somebody in, in weightlifting just to pick up some different ways of doing things, different cues, because mm -hmm. there's always some different way that he describes it to somebody in order to get the response that he's looking for. So it winds up being pretty eye-opening. And, and I hope that all of us coaches get an opportunity to do that, to, mm -hmm. to directly share information, but also to absorb information from one another by watching each of the other coaches do their thing, because we all have different ways of doing things. Well, and it's cool as um, in physio, a lot of times it's kind of the you're the person making the decisions and figuring out, can I go back to sport or can they go back to sport now? Or can they go back to work? And right. it's been kind of cool to not, ha not be that only the only person making those decisions. Right. And so even for myself, like I had a minor back injury, but it, it made me kind of have to shy away from deadlifts and back squats for a little while. And mm -hmm. while that was happening, I was the patient. So I worked closely with Isaac and we broke down my back squat and, figured out my deadlift and kind of worked on bracing and all those little things that I can't find in myself. Mm. Um, so it was a nice to, it was nice to kind of flip the switch and be the patient, yeah. uh, but still learn from it at the same time. And I think just taking classes with, with everyone and, and we've had the opportunity to work pretty close with Isaac on the, on the, the weightlifting side. We've even brought in our entire staff to do a six week program on weightlifting, mm. um, both as a, you know, taking it as an athlete, but also learning the language, the lingo, the movements. And what was nice about it, we were able to sit down together um, and analyze someone's movement. And, you know, in his eye, he's listening to the feet, the way the foot hits the floor. He's mm -hmm. looking at where's the foot, first pole, second pole, you know, yeah. uh, he's looking at it from a very technical point of view, whereas I was able to kind of look at it from a very anatomical and movement pattern. Mm. And we were able to talk back and forth, though we were using very different language. Figured you might be. It was the exact same thing. Yeah. We were looking at the same information, but coming at it slightly on two different angles, which I think is only going to benefit our athletes mm. and each other, yeah. you know, because... The wealth of knowledge that the technical side of lifting, uh, it's it's amazing. You know, there's we've all hit plateaus and we think, oh, geez, are, is it that we're not strong? Oftentimes, it's a technical side of it. Mm -hmm. If you've hit a plateau that you can't get by, check your technique. Yeah. And that's not something always that the physio is going to be able to do. That's something that the coaching staff is going to really tease out. True. We may be able to give accessory work to say, Okay, maybe you're you're losing your overhead position because you've got a, a stiff upper back mm -hmm. or you've got lack of range of motion in your shoulders. And we can give those accessory movements and we can do the hands-on skill to help regain that. But once they've got that new new movement pattern, then they still have to learn how to work that technique with that new ability to move. Right. You know, so if you're someone who struggles with an overhead squat because you've got no mobility in your upper back and your shoulders, if you somehow regain that, you still have to learn how to redo it with that new norm. So that's where the coaching staff. Really that's for in. sure. Because I, I did find for me anyway, my upper my upper shoulders were kind of the area where uh, I didn't realize I had a range of motion issue coming from there. It was sort of upper lats and, and into the upper back. And so, you know, my wingspan was fairly limited mm -hmm. um, and I had to go ridiculously wide on the bar in order to be able to get the bar in my center. Mm -hmm. But over time, I gradually worked on it and I was able to get there. Now I'm having to relearn the breathing and bracing as it applies to overhead squat 
as compared to back squat and front squat because it's a totally different animal, much more core centric. Um, and it requires a, a whole different bracing technique when you're, you've actually got the bar in the right place, which makes a huge difference. You know, my breathing and bracing was just try not to fall over because mm-hmm. the bar was staying so far forward. Now that it stays where it's supposed to, right. I have to do it differently. Well, and the fun thing about having the clinic in the gym is we can work with a person to get to get them to a certain point, but then they need to work on some stuff for a while. We don't need to see them every week or right. every couple of days. So that's where you guys can kind of yeah. help us get feedback. And like, okay, how are they doing? Is this looking easier? What do they look like under fatigue? So stuff that I can't see while I'm treating them, but like, what does it look like in the middle of a walk? That's true. Cause I mean, as a patient, we're not always good about coming in and describing the true conditions mm-hmm. under which a movement is a problem. So I might be great at a back squat when I'm fresh and my back squat could go just completely sideways on me when I'm fatigued. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. if it's part C of the workout and suddenly I'm doing back squat, yeah. I could compromise my form in a totally different way than if it was part A. And that's where I find it helpful because you guys will come to us and say, listen, so-and-so is something's going on with their front squat, blah, blah, blah. And then, then we know to kind of go in and look, or I've treated them. And then we've kind of gotten to the point where, Hey, call me if you need me. And obviously they still need me. So where they might perceive this is better than it was, you guys perceive, well, it still could be a bit better. A little bit more like seeing a wild animal in their natural habitat (laughs) rather than than seeing them in the zoo. Mm -hmm. Everything looks better when you're physically looking at you. (laughs) Yeah. And the other side of it is, is, is being athletes within the same gym. So having a few different hats within the gym, you're working out next to people all the time and you're seeing people do different different uh positive movement patterns and negative movement patterns Mm -hmm. so you know you have that ability to kind of say yeah i I, you know you've come in to see me because you do x y and z but i noticed when you were doing your your backs or your front squats the other day you couldn't get your front rack position Mm -hmm. and i'm identifying that this is coming from somewhere else so you already have a much better idea of the patient who walks in through the door immediately. Hmm. Normally, someone books in at the clinic, oftentimes you've never met them before. Yeah, and you're having to rely on what they can tell you. Right, so they come in and say, well, when I do this, it hurts, and when I do that, it hurts. Well, we already have an idea what's happening with the way you move or the way someone else in the clinic moves because we've seen you for three years. We've seen your habits. We've seen your patterns. So it gives us a bit of an advantage. being next to people every single day. Yeah. Right. And you also get to kind of keep giving feedback throughout. You know, we try not to kind of give feedback while we're doing our own workouts, but it happens. Yeah. You know, you might be doing a front squat in front of someone, you yell out at them, you know, uh, get your shoulders up yeah. or get your elbows, elbows up, up or yeah. whatever, open yeah. your chest, you Knees know, out, something like that. Um, yeah. And that's pretty easy. And that's not yeah. something that it's going to take away from our workout. But I yeah. think some of the, 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 the athletes would, kind of benefit and appreciate that. So. Yeah. Hmm. Now it's, it's an interesting experience going in and talking to a physio that has, um, an appreciation for, and further than that, an actual love for CrossFit because it, it's not, it's not universal, um, in that regard. <laughs> so uh, one of the things that, that was really kind of interesting is a couple of months ago, you organized and, and brought in an expert in this bridging between Uh, CrossFit and physiotherapy. And there were a lot of physios that came to that continuing education course that was aimed at physios, but CrossFitters were were in the room as well, most Mm -hmm. of us coaches. 
Um, and and um, Judy Gelber came in and, and gave us a, a really interesting opportunity to kind of bridge the gap. We were able to talk about movement in terms that are more common in the physiotherapy realm, but also address what they're universally uh, called in the CrossFit world and talk about how these things um, can complement one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it seemed like that was in an effort to ensure that physios that hadn't previously had any uh, exposure, or not any direct hands-on exposure to CrossFit, could appreciate where that where that type of workout, that functional fitness kind of approach fits mm-hmm. in somebody's everyday. I've certainly gone to physiotherapies in the uh, physiotherapists in the past that when presented the the uh, the opening of it hurts when I do this, it, the the question is usually, well, why are you doing that? Right. Not why do you want to continue to do that, or would you like to continue to do that? How should we change your movement so that you can get back to that? Um, and it seems like the the physios that appreciate CrossFit are going to ask that latter question a little bit more readily. Mm-hmm. Um, is is that something that you're experiencing? You, you're connected with a lot of physios, both in the CrossFit world and outside the CrossFit world. How how much of a misunderstanding might there be among physiotherapists as to what this functional fitness craze is, and in particular with CrossFit? You know, are, are we all putting ourselves at unnecessary risk or are we doing good for our bodies? I think it's very misunderstood. I think you could you could uh, pose a question to 15 physios in a room uh, one evening and you're going to have a lot of different differing opinions. Uh, I found myself almost defending what I do and why I do it uh, because people say, you know, CrossFit is going to injure you. It's too intense. It's this, it's that, and the other thing. But what's interesting about it is the loudest naysayers when it comes to CrossFit and physio are usually the ones that don't understand what CrossFit is even about. Mm -hmm. So they have this preconceived notion of what we do and what we don't do. And they are very vocal about it. But if you really ask them the question, what do we do? Why do we do it? How do we do get there? Yeah. They don't understand that. All they see is Matt Fraser throwing, you know, sandbags up over a wall uh, to complete exhaustion. But he's a different animal. He's he's Fair. at a higher level than any of us are ever going to be at. Yeah. So when we look at our CrossFit gym and we say, you know, probably our oldest athlete is 70 mm-hmm. and our youngest is 14. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there's 12 a now 12 yeah <laughs> so there's a huge diverse range of of people in there and so when it comes to that discussion i often find myself to a certain degree trying to educate people and i try not to sound defensive but you're educating them to say well these exercises aren't bad mm-hmm. these are a great set of exercises that can be progressively loaded and they can be scaled to your ability and your function and your injury level and your health level um, so if people saw that they would understand the, the, the connection with physio and CrossFit, mm-hmm. it is very seg- stepwise progressions. You learn the most basic of skill and then you build upon it, which is no different than what we do in a, in a treatment point of view. Mm-hmm. If we're going to treat someone's knee, um, we need to do the most basic of exercises and then start to move into a more technical exercise and a more functional exercise. And that's what we do. So you know, it is about getting the word out there and trying to educate people on 
the benefits of it, not only from a, a, an aesthetic point of view and a strength point of view, but but also the metabolic point of view and, and the health components that come with mm. CrossFit. So yeah. I think there's a lot to be learned about it. And I think part of our job in the next number of years is to try and push that forward mm. and let them know that there is more to it than just handstand push-ups and muscle-ups. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot that goes between there before you get to that level. That's for sure. Well, I think too, when you're looking for a physio, you want somebody that's going to invest in you too. So if it's somebody that just says, don't do that, Mm. they haven't invested in your sport. I treat, I've started my career treating a lot of runners and now I treat a lot of runners and CrossFitters and they have the same brain. And if you say, don't do it, it's devastating. Mm. It's their social life. It's their activity. It's their fitness. Yeah. It's more than just their workout. That's for sure. It's wrapped up into your whole life. Part of it is Mm. your identity too. And if you say, don't do that, that is catastrophic to some people. So if you don't have a physio that's willing to invest some time to figure out what your sport is, whether it is CrossFit or running or fencing, if they can't figure out what your movement patterns are and at least give you some form of that to keep working on, then they haven't invested the time in their patient and individualized that program as much as they said they did. So whether it is somebody that specializes in CrossFit or you're a fencer and you need somebody to help you with the movement, you don't necessarily have to specialize, but you need to put the time in to figure out what that sport is and what it involves mm. and break it down to its basic components. And CrossFit to one degree or another is probably the least specialized of sports because it's it's, so it's basically everything. Whatever you pick up could yeah. be something that you might have to use. If you say don't do it, you've done no homework to yeah. help your patient. Yeah. There's something they can do. Yeah, it's different than a, a truly specialized sport where there's one particular aspect of body mechanics that is going to be repeated yeah. in CrossFit. We, you know, we run, we throw, we pick up, we put down, we climb up. I mean, there's, you know, any number of different modalities that are thrown at us. Um, and so, you know, you, you could really make an argument that there's not too many things that a CrossFitter won't be tasked with doing over the course of, let's say six months to a year in their initial experience in CrossFit. And it's just going to keep Climbing as their abilities grow, their their strength and conditioning grows, and their confidence level winds up the, changing as well. On the flip side of that, too, it means that now you've got this infinite number of things that you could get them to do. Yeah. Your, your own imagination is your limiter. Yeah. So if you can't think of something, you're not thinking hard enough. There are so True. many things and so many steps to every single thing that there is some version of that that they can do. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm a pinch hitter in baseball and I can't do that anymore, there's fewer options for me than if I'm a CrossFitter. Archery. (laughs) It's a little tougher. And even running. Um, Running, I have to get down into their training program. That's Mm -hmm. where most of the science in physio comes with runners. I look at their gait. We work at their movement, strengthen, but you got to look at their programming. So CrossFit, at least with their programming, there's some way you can make it fit into their programming. Well, and more and more specialized sports have started to adopt cross training as a a component of their training programs Mm -hmm. so that they're not as specialized. Um, They still have a focus, but they recognize that these other means of training complement their overall fitness level and their strength and, and conditioning level to be able to perform at the high level in Absolutely. that specialized sport. We have um, rigs and barbells and plates in the gym and my runners deadlift and squat. And, yeah. yeah. You can steal a lot from CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> so when you became athletes in CrossFit, how much of your experience as uh, as physiotherapists uh, came into play with your everyday approach to working out? I mean, did it 
did it spoil it for you knowing that you know you had you had such knowledge that you you, you were going to apply and you couldn't just check that part of your brain off when you were working out or were you successful in turning that off and just going for gusto I think or was it somewhere between turn that off pretty easily well yeah that's true <laughs> two minutes in it's gone <laughs> <laughs> much like my ability to count <laughs> But I think I also use it as an advantage because I actually started to use my physio brain to kind of dissect why a board looked the way that it did. Why are we doing this exercise followed by this exercise and this exercise? So I kind of nerded out a little bit on the movement pattern. Oh, yeah. Um, I always love seeing the connections. You know, why are we doing a ski skier? Well, that that lat pull is going to help us with our total bar. It's going to help yeah. us with our muscle ups. You know, why are we doing atomic sit-ups? Well, it's an awful lot like our toe bar, knee to elbows, yeah. you know. When we're using a rower, when we push with our legs and then come in through with our arms, it's awful lot, a lot like snatching from a floor. Yeah. There's More evidence so, that there's like five or six different ways to accomplish the same sort of thing that all lead to exactly. one destination. So it became really interesting to, for me to dissect the movements and dissect the exercises and see how the program is really developed and really built because... There's so much in common with different movements and you can see how one leads to the other and helps with, with the next, hmm. you know, your ground to overhead is going to help you with your cleans. So that to me was really fun to, to dissect and, and apply my knowledge as a physio and with anatomy and physiology and then meld it with fitness from an athletic point of view. I think what one of the benefits for me coming into it as a physio is that I also came in there with a bit of a healthy paranoia. So my, my first three yeah. months, I wanted to lift heavier than I did, but I didn't because I was always still in the back of my head. I listened to the people who, who said, you're going to get injured in CrossFit. So right. I took that to heart and I, I started off very, very slowly and I was paranoid at the beginning. And I think it benefited me though, because I didn't stack weights on and I learned technique better than I probably would have if I just went for gusto. Right. So I think... I think all in all, it was a it was a positive experience for for me anyway. Being mm-hmm. a physio coming into this, because there are so many similarities with the two with the two fields. Yeah. Now you've both seen patients that have you know no experience with CrossFit, and you've seen now many patients that have been doing CrossFit for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Are those populations wildly different from one another in terms of what what limitations they might? commonly have or are are there some similarities as well i think there there's definitely there's definitely a lot of differences and similarities um you know our general population our general uh, clients that come in through the clinic they're often coming in because they did something they Mm -hmm. they they had a trauma or they had an overuse injury whereas our crossfitters it is similar they're going to have overuse overtraining they might have done something on a box jump that made them have a traumatic injury. I think the biggest difference, and we talked about this before, was uh, anyone who trains, whether it be a CrossFit or a runner or, or any type of training discipline, the one big thing that they have different than a lot of our other population is that time concentrated on getting better, mm-hmm. um, putting a schedule time for themselves, um, working on the education, working on the exercises, working on improving themselves in some way so i think that's the biggest difference that i see with my crossfit athletes versus my general population yeah you know the other big thing is they love their sport they love their activity Mm -hmm. so it's really easy to to motivate someone to get better 
what it means that they can go back to doing what they love. It's and a fatter carrot on the end of the stick. Absolutely. So if you don't have that as a as a, a general population, someone who hurts their neck sitting at a computer all day. Mm. Um, Gee, can I go back to sitting at my computer? Right. <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah, I guess, I guess you'd be a there. little less enthusiastic mm-hmm. under those circumstances. All right. So oftentimes what you're doing is trying to circumvent that idea and say, well, what do you love? Oh, yeah. I'm a golfer. Great. Well, who cares about your computer? Let's get you back on the golf course. True, yeah. So you just try and use a little bit of psychology to get you back in, but you don't need that psychology as much for CrossFitters. Yeah. You say, do you want to get back in the gym? Absolutely. Yeah. So let's do it, right? Yeah. It's no mystery what they're looking to get back to do. Right. The CrossFitters, too, also have a very – there's a high-end – technical component to some of the movements so they're Mm -hmm. used to being coached and like nitpicking and working their way through a skill and they're used to that high level skill that when you add exercises or change something up or teach them something they they generally catch on pretty quickly Mm -hmm. not to say that the average person can't but crossfitters tend to i don't have to spend a lot of time explaining things they've had a lot of experience having those things described to them so they're they're generally good movers um and like the 40 50 60 year olds move more like 20, 30, 40 year olds, mm. then they do like their, their peers. Their count, yeah. yeah. And especially as you're, as you age further, the gap between you and the sedentary individual becomes an abyss. Well, yeah. And that was, that was going to be something that I was going to ask next, because I mean, that's certainly something that anecdotally I've observed in working with the master's crew. Um, despite the fact that most of them have been doing CrossFit for a while, some of them are new entrants to the CrossFit world. And so, I get to see at least an inkling of some of what you might see in that somebody that hasn't been um, physically active for a number of years because life has gotten in the way. They've been busy having kids and jobs and all these things that get in the way of of physical fitness. And then when they finally return to that physical world, there are certain muscle groups that uh, tend to suffer a little more than others. Um, Like I've seen a lot of core instability with with athletes um, because they sit for a living. Let's say yeah. that was, that was my case coming to the gym. I sat at a computer for a living for 20 years. And so totally. that took its toll. That's, that's why I had shoulders like a T-Rex and, and I couldn't really sit up properly. And so my overhead squat took a long time. When you can't squish your glutes for 10 hours a day and expect them to bust no. out a, you know, stability exercise for you later, that comes with a cost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you finding that there's, there's uh, like a, a somewhat standard library of things that you have to prescribe to somebody that comes in that's of a, of a certain age, let's say, uh, that you might not have to prioritize for somebody that's a little bit younger? Or is the hunched over a phone thing just bringing that down a, another generation? <laughs> I think for it's us, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think for us, we, we look at movement patterns. So really it doesn't matter if you're 65 or if you're 16, if you've got a bad movement pattern, we try and correct that pattern as much as we can. Right. We just measure our expectations on range of motion. Right. That would be the biggest thing. I think that yeah. you're going to get stiffer as you age. That doesn't mean you have to be unable to move. It just means we can't expect you to look like a 20 year old right. in your shoulder movement or your hip movement. We know there's a certain, uh, like there's, bookends there's a range of motion that's normal for 67 year olds versus 20 30 year olds fortunately a floating target though too if you do if you're willing to put in the work absolutely but there is still a little bit of a hard end of like yeah yeah, we're not going to expect you to get your ankles around your ears if you're 70 no (laughs) but you do look at i I tell my patients all the time there is no ceiling on strength so there's never a bad time to start strengthening you can always get stronger and balance and balance and core you know so you know, 
yes, there's going to be some degenerative changes in the 65 category that isn't there in the 25 category. You work around it, but that's the beauty of CrossFit. You scale appropriately. As long as the person is doing the depth of their movement that they possibly can have, and we keep working towards getting them deeper or getting them higher, uh, as long as they're feeling good and their movement pattern and their technique is sound, then I don't think there's a ceiling. But we do have to be cognizant of what happens to degenerative changes and what patterns we should avoid. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to try and t- tell a 75 year old to to get into the 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 most back extended position that they possibly can because they might not get there. Yeah, their hips may have some degenerative changes. They might not get as deep because of their hips or their knees. But it doesn't mean we keep we stop trying. And they right. still need to deadlift. Like exactly. Their groceries still end up on the floor. They oh, yeah. got to get them from the floor to the counter. We don't want that to be the heaviest thing they lift in their day. For sure. So, I mean, it's the strength, like Mike said, It's there's infinite ability to get stronger as you get, even as you age. And knowing how to safely move that load is something that I think is a is a, an undervalued skill mm-hmm. that they wind up learning um, just by doing in CrossFit. I mean, yeah, okay, fine. Their their uh, groceries are not attached to a barbell, but that's not <laughs> right. the point. They learn how to bend over properly and load the legs and pick up without using their back. And these are all, those are skills as much as they are strengths that they're picking up mm-hmm. by practicing these movements. Um, and not everybody recognizes that because all they see is barbell. And they, they think that, well, that doesn't apply to real life, but right. it, it really does. It's the one implement that we can overload to train for lifting the groceries or lifting their, their uh, laundry. And, you know, I mean, if it's a full load of wet clothes, it's not going to be five pounds. So, you know, you, you better be prepared for that and lift safely, or you could wind up having to go to see physio mm-hmm. just by virtue of having done your laundry. Or even the ability to continue to do your laundry and go get your own groceries. It keeps you independent Independent for much longer. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a big, big um, functional factor for uh, for a lot of people. And, yeah, I mean, we have quite a few older athletes that at our gym, I mean, I'm not the least bit worried about any of them Mm -hmm. living independently. They're they're incredible. Mm -hmm. Right. One Um, of my favorite patients is 73, and she comes to see me at the gym. She's a runner. Mm -hmm. Um, But she comes to see me at the gym, and we, we do pretty much everything that we would do with anybody of any age. She's phenomenal. And she does not show any signs of any chance of her being dependent on anybody for anything. Right. (laughs) So it's really cool to work with her because she just, she's like, okay, what's next? I'm ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) But you see it changing even in the clinic since we've become CrossFitters and, and kind of learning more about it. I am changing the way that I treat patients and I do have patients doing different things. And mm-hmm. what I find interesting about it is for so many years, we were doing the kind of boring physio exercises that everyone hated and no one was compliant with them and they didn't see the purpose of them. Now they're out in the gym and they're lifting kettlebells and they're walking around carrying things over their head and they're doing deadlifts with a barbell. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting for people who have been fairly sedentary to say, they get to go home and tell their wives or tell their husbands that they, they've been able to do this and that at physio. And that's exciting for them. And it increases their compliance level. They buy in way quicker and it's fun. You and know, you can so. sneak a few physio exercises in there and, and they don't even notice. Right. <laughs> they'll be more compliant with them because the fun stuff's there too. Yeah. It's the peas hidden in the cake. Right. Yes. Totally. Eat your broccoli. <laughs> So the, one of the one of the interesting programs that I've seen um, happen in the states, and I, I'm, I'm still um, I'm, I'm trying to get 
uh, CrossFit HQ to answer some of my, some of my questions about this because I'd love to know a little bit more about their thinking on the MDL one, which is really just the L one but for a medical audience. Now, um, you guys come from a, a subspecialty of medicine that is easily related, and you've gone through the L one program. Um, it you know again the MDL one is actually not any different. It's the regular L1 program that all of us coaches do, but the intended audience is that much more uh, medically educated uh, crowd that, you know, obviously it, it influences how they view the material the same way as it is, has influenced you. So when you did your L1, what were your expectations going in? I mean, you had already had considerable exposure as athletes and being, you know, key parts of the community in, in talking to the coaching uh, staff at Osprey already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did that change your experience? I mean, you didn't do it with a whole other group of physios or anything. You nope. just went in and did your all one with a, a more general We were the coaching only two physios, I think, yeah. Yep. We went in with a bit more knowledge, I think, than the average person, only yeah. because you guys enlightened us as to what to expect. Right. Um, so I don't think there's anything that was terribly surprising right you set us up for success <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, it was a it was a great course I, I really enjoyed it because it it did allow us to kind of get outside of our own physio box and and use lingo more that the coaches are using and and in some cases it was easier language because yeah. coaches are talking to other athletes and they're not trying to prove their knowledge from a medical point of view well and, um, and the l1 staff have a very polished prepared mm-hmm. way of delivering it's one of the tightest HQ's information it's too. one of the tightest courses i've ever seen yeah. right down to the minute and each one of the instructors were amazing so i really enjoyed it i got a lot out of it i actually used some of the information that i i got on the course mm-hmm. with my patients on a daily basis yeah. um i think our benefit coming into it was we're used to watching people move so when we're watching, you know, when we're doing the exam, it's it's it was a little easier for us to, to kind of identify what some of the faults may have been. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the it. the angle of the photo doesn't influence your ability to see what's going on there. That, right. that was one thing that tripped me up a couple of times was that the the you know the chosen angle on the photo that we were tasked <laughs> with analyzing that wouldn't be the angle I would stand at in order to see what they were asking right. me to look for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's my rel- comparatively untrained eye looking for what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was a very well-structured yeah. program. I, I well, couldn't believe how smoothly it yeah. ran. And even like the idea of putting a workout in the middle of a course. Like, so simple, but so brilliant. Because yeah. in the afternoon, that's when we all fade. We've eaten lunch oh, yeah. and everybody starts to like... Yeah, just how sharp were you that out. afternoon as a result? Right. Right. And like as a physio, <laughs> we promote health and wellness and activity. And like, why have we not thought to put a mini workout in the middle of a course? Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it was kind of unique to me like, wait, there's, there's more to the fitness side of things that health could use, um, you know, crosstalk. I'm delivering a, a marketing lecture to the, uh, to the massage therapist association in Nova Scotia next month. And I'm, I'm tempted just to have everybody drop and give me 10 burpees right. somewhere <laughs> around the midpoint to make sure that everybody's still awake because yeah. it, it really does seem to work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think the CrossFit L1 course was really it's really important, and I think with the MDL one, it to show others what it's all about, to show that it is a polished program, mm-hmm. to show where it came from, where it's going, 
what are the principles behind it? Because what I found about the L1 course that I didn't expect was the background knowledge and mm. why are we doing things? And, you know, the more health exposure side of it, as opposed to lifting barbells and kettlebells. So I think from an MDL one point of view, I think it's really important to get the medical community on board. If I had one wish, I would, I would include physios and other healthcare providers within that MDL one mm. right now. It's as far as I know, uh, and I tried to, to to find out a little bit more information on it today was, as far as I know, it's only for physicians. Uh, and only in the States at the moment too, which is something I'm, I've been trying to get some answers about as well. Right. So I think from a, you know, from a, an exposure point of view, yes, you've got to start with the physicians. And I think they're a very, very important piece of this puzzle. Um, but what's also very important is the healthcare practitioners who work with the athletes and work with other clients all the yeah. time. You know, we have such influence on our patients uh, and our ability to kind of tell people that it's okay to deadlift. We're yeah. spending an hour with them or 45 minutes with them and we're showing them things. And we may see them over a three-month period or four-month period and we build up a rapport and we build up a trust level. So though I think is very important within that kind of hierarchy to have the medical physicians to, to be involved and for them to be part of the gatekeepers to get people into it and let them know it's not a bad sport. Yeah. I think the other healthcare providers, whether it be physios, chiros, massage, nurses, whatever, we all have our role in expanding this, this sport and, and this, you know, methodology because we are the ones that are talking a lot and we spend yeah. more time with those patients. We aren't seeing them for five or 10 minutes and they're out the door. We're with them for months yeah. at times. So that may be where the difference really lies too, because the, you know, the, the MDs and the nurses to uh, at least kind of a similar degree, yeah. uh, a principal focus of their training is the, the drugs, the drug market that's, mm -hmm. that's there to, to try to stem the, the various different ailments that, that people have. Whereas in your specialty, you deal with the, the physical body. Right. Um, and you know, that would apply to Cairo as well. And so, you know, that area of specialization, I think the ideas that are presented in CrossFit's environment and, and in its formalized training are far less foreign and don't fly in the face of the type of training that you do to the same degree that they would in that in that right. traditional medicine environment, mm -hmm. where pharmacology is hundreds of hours of training and physical fitness is zero. Right. Uh, or arguably, anyway, doesn't. I mean, I asked my my daughter who finished her nursing program just a year and a half ago, and they got nothing on physical fitness. Right. She recognizes its role. She's crossfitting with me now, right. mm -hmm. um, and for her, it's about staying safe to be able to help other people move in Absolutely. her job because her job's not getting any lighter. No, no, that's that's something that she's commented on is that the the patients that they're seeing, especially in the surgical ward that she works in, yeah. are commonly coming in. They're already sick. They're, they're in many cases, they're out of shape. And by the time they've had surgery, they're not in a position to help themselves get out of bed and move to the bathroom or move from one bed to another. And mm -hmm. so the nurses are being tasked with deadlifting humans right. and they're just, they're not prepared to do that. No. Um, and so physical fitness is a matter of her being prepared for her job, but she also sees the role that it could potentially play in patients' lives too. And, and there is a push within the medical profession of like, the doctors know that exercise is medicine. They know it, depression. Yeah. It helps with depression. It helps with heart disease. It helps with many different conditions. But 
they haven't been given the skill set to die, to um, prescribe it or to tell people what to do. Um, And so they're busy. They have a, their practices are outrageously busy. So they don't also have time to sit and say, what do you like to do? How much time do you have? And give them any major specifics. So having like the MDL one, something like that, at least it gives them exposure to say, okay, this is an option. And here are the people that can control the dosage and the movement patterns that's cool. I'm going to send you here or these physios can kind of help with that. So at least they're still the gatekeepers, but they're gatekeepers with lots of knowledge. Yeah. And we try to do that within our own community. We've, we've done a talk with a group of physiatrists at, um, in one of the hospitals here in Halifax mm-hmm. and we try to educate them on, on shoulder injuries, but we put it in a slant of CrossFit. So we kind of snuck in there. Um, we were talking about anatomy and physiology and, and rehab, but we also talked about these are some of the things that occur from a movement point of view. And these, we used a couple of case studies from CrossFit and yeah. just more of, of exposure, let people know that it isn't a bad word and that it is, you know, you've got a bunch of physios who really enjoy it and buy into it yeah. and are using it. And we use it with our patients all the time. So it's about exposure get it out there, get, you know, get people aware that it exists and it's not a bad thing. And remind them that it's a controlled thing. You know, right. they're in the presence of a coach. But that's and true. And I mean, it's not like in CrossFit, you're left to your own devices. I right. Mean, no, I've seen dumber no. things in like a regular gym because nobody's stopping you. Yeah. I tried to do something dumb at the gym. You would stop me. Right. <laughs> that's true. That's true. In, in the, uh, in the Globo gym, somebody's more likely to whip out a phone and put it on mm-hmm. YouTube. Hey, that's cool. Right. Take some more dumbbells on top of that ball. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it's, I mean, the Netflix documentaries are cool, but I don't think they helped us in terms of like making it less scary for the average human. Yeah, so, it's, the I mean, there's, there's a small sliver of the population for whom those documentaries will be aspirational and then it'll scare the crap out of a big right. chunk of the rest of the audience. But But that's because they don't have the requisite knowledge to see what that level is. Of movement represents yeah. and, and the funny think- thing is nobody sees themselves in pro hockey players right. or pro football players that make some amazing catch flipping backwards over top of a six foot tall man <laughs> landing on their head and getting up to, to do it again and yet <laughs> when they see a crossfit documentary like well you know that's just that's crazy i can't do that well yeah okay but you you do say you go out and you play football or you go out and play the gentleman's hockey league and you try to play just like Sidney Crosby, Mm -hmm. but you don't do the requisite training. You don't have a coach guiding you there. So in which are you at more risk? They walk in thinking, are they thinking that they walk into the gym and it would be a gym full of like the daughters and Matt Fraser's (laughs) when it's average people, we all look like anybody you'd run into in a mall. Yeah. You're part, you're both part of a, a physio group on, Facebook Mm -hmm. with a variety of physios around the world Mm -hmm. that are involved in CrossFit. Um, Do you engage in conversations with, with people around the world that are in kind of a similar situation where they're CrossFit athletes, but they're also physios? Yeah. Yeah. The the group is, uh, the group is still fairly young. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're still adding members all the time. So we kind of invite other physios who do CrossFit uh, as often as we can and as often as we think about it. Um, a lot of the, the, the page right now is, is 
you know, a situation where people are asking recommendations on a good gym to send someone to because they're moving to this town, or maybe mm-hmm. it might be a suggestion of, hey, I got this patient who just got out of a bank art lesion shoulder repair. Um, you know, what are some scaling ideas or that type of thing? So it, I think it is a really great website. It's a great resource. There's a lot of people that will post uh, different rehab exercises or progressions and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. There's been a couple of case um, like queries of like, hey, I've got this thing that yeah. I, I'm kind of stuck now. Does anybody have any suggestions of how to proceed from here with my patient? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. It's nice that, that, that those queries are being made within an environment of arguably everybody in that environment is all educated. Mm-hmm. I, I'm part of a couple of other CrossFit masters groups where everybody has wildly different levels of, right. of experience Absolutely. and education and those same what if questions come up. And so the degree of response is very high, but the, the depth of the response is usually pretty shallow mm-hmm. because it, they're not they're not people that have a, a tremendous amount of background in a particular area. So it's, it's interesting that you as professionals are able to share that kind of information back and forth with a degree of confidence because everybody in there is is within the same profession. And we travel to um, St. Louis once or twice a year to study at um, Washington University. Mm-hmm. And they're a very movement-based university. But when we go there, there's um, people from Japan and Denmark and all over the world. Yeah. And a lot of them have either CrossFit exposure or weightlifting exposure or different sports. And it's really cool to see how... Like there um, was a guy from Denmark and he was talking about like his son is, I can't remember what his sport was, but it was not CrossFit. It was like volleyball or paddling or something. I don't remember, (laughs) but like how much Olympic lifting they were using to train these kids. Um, And so like the discussions happen there very much. And it's that group is very unique in that it's very movement based. So it's very cool to kind of listen in and get some tips and tricks and share some ideas and it's all kind of got a CrossFit kind of swing to it or weightlifting or movement. And that's where we cool. met Judy and how we got involved with Judy. And Judy mm-hmm. uh, was, was I think she spearheaded the CrossFit and Physio uh, Facebook site. Mm-hmm. So I think she's one of the administrators. So, you know, that group itself is, I think it's got a lot of potential and I think it's been great for the last year or so, but I think it's going to get bigger and better. Mm-hmm. Um because it's also a pretty safe environment. People are not judgmental. They're they're in it to absolutely help each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So no question is a bad question. And there's lots of great advice that's getting thrown around there. Right. Um, you know, there's some CrossFit athletes who are physios that are on that Facebook page. So yeah. there's a lot of congratulations after the after the open <laughs> or, or after the games. Yeah. Right. So. It's kind of a great meeting place when we don't get to know these people on a personal basis, but we can throw out our ideas and and, and just share banter about different experiences that we've all had. So right. I think it's great. Yeah. And, her, and her, the course that she held here was excellent. I mean, it, it. I'd love to, I'm curious to know if it'll wind up coming back so that even more people can be involved in, in this um, in this opportunity to kind of uh, share knowledge between trainers mm-hmm. and physios and give physios some exposure to more of the functional fitness side and for us to gain a, a better appreciation for, you know, what, what we have to be looking for so that we know, is this something, can, can we address this as a trainer or do we need to be looking to a physio to take the next steps and, and look after this person professionally mm-hmm. as well? So, to wrap up, now that both of you are more than dipping your toe in uh, having your physio world meet with your CrossFit world, 
where do you see it going from here? I mean, what what do you envision without you know without necessarily showing your cards? But how do you how do you envision this progressing? What's the evolution that you see for your practice as it relates to your CrossFit going patient group? I think ultimately we want to just work more hand in hand with coaches and athletes all together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as physios for 15 years, we've worked very independently. We, you know, we work with, with other physios within our practice and we talk about cases all the time, but ultimately your decisions are your decisions and, and really you don't get any feedback from anyone or, or any help from anyone. I think our goal is to work with all you know, the, the, the entire CrossFit community of, of Halifax and potentially, you know, the province of Nova Scotia, we would like to be heavily involved in Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit and talking back and forth to coaches a Mm. lot, you know, be able to be consultants when it comes to injury prevention, injury rehab, scaling options, education, whatever it may be. So I think we want to a spread the word that it is a safe sport. Um, and then try and be involved in it, not as a single entity, but more as a group that kind of works together to to make all of us a little bit better mm. from an athletic point of view, from a coaching point of view, and from a health point of view. Yeah. And just to keep the fun in our job. So right. doing something that doesn't seem like work makes it easier to get to your long game. I suppose it would, yeah. And I mean, you also get this kind of unusual benefit compared to many other physios. You get to see your patients arguably years after they've finished seeing you for treatment right. yeah and see that they're still doing well and they're still progressing in their sport and, and, and hitting you know, new PRs yeah. or getting that movement that was such a struggle and that's really rewarding even if I played a small role in it you kind of like great <laughs> you know you're invested a little bit more yeah. um so yeah that's that's pretty cool yeah, I mean, if, if you're if I mean if you're how they got back to training in the first place, then you play a, a much bigger role than I think most people would would even necessarily appreciate at the time, um, because the you know everything that follows can't happen unless they get back to their training. You know that's in no small part to, based on the knowledge that you've come into this with, but also your appreciation and understanding for the sport that they love, which makes a big difference to their ability to getting back to regular training. Mm-hmm. It's also cool too to work in the gym and wear leggings and t-shirts to work. <laughs> <laughs> and listen to loud music that we don't really care if anyone's uh, offended by it. <laughs> Sneakers, it's great. It is a casual, it's, it's a much more casual environment and it gives us diversity within our jobs. You know, we, everyone's complaint about their job is they go in Monday to Friday and they do the same thing every day. Now we're lucky in our profession that we don't do the same thing every day. Right. Every single person that walks in the clinic is very, very different. Uh, every day is different than the, the day before, which is very similar to CrossFit, I guess. Hmm. Uh, but it's also nice to break up the clinical to the gym setting. So wearing our sneakers and t-shirts and shorts and, you know, not being as prim and proper as we would be in professional in the clinic. Not that we're unprofessional, but it's it's a looser environment. Mm. So I get we're to run around and stuff with patients. I jump in on parts of their, um, I guess workout we'll call it, but yeah. part yeah. of their rehab. It's really fun. Yeah, and it's it's nice to work out next to them while they're true working through something. So they're yeah. not just the one in the clinic doing the exercises. I'm in there too sometimes. So yeah. it's fun. It's it keeps the energy level high. And like anything, we you know we talk about our community and how it's it's pretty great to sweat together and and work out together and 
hurt together and all that stuff. But when you're telling a patient that they need to do X, Y, and Z, and then they show up at the gym and they watch you do X, Y, and Z. Oh yeah. It's instant pay. It's instant buy-in, right? Because yeah. you're, you are practicing what you preach and you are sweating and dying just as much as they are. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, um, it's rewarding in that sense, but it's also, it's, it's a two way street for sure. So your patients kind yeah. of buy in and, and, and appreciate the effort that you're putting in. So, now, does that make you self-conscious? Uh, at all that you know that the athletes are watching and they know that you know how to move properly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I because I know I know as a coach it makes me really self conscious. So it's got to be doubly hard for you guys. It depends on how the workout is. I try not to think about it. <laughs> so you usually lose yourself within the workout anyway. So um, yeah, no, I don't. I, I usually don't think about it too much. I know I'm trying to steal every little bit of of each of your warm ups. I'm I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching you two. I'm watching Brittany. I'm, I'm watching Grace, and I'm just stealing every little bit of your warm ups to make sure that I go in as loose as possible before I have to do something crazy. Mm-hmm. It's helping. Good. good. <laughs> well, thank you both for for humoring me and and uh, chatting through your uh, your entire progression from. <laughs> High school through to being professional physios that CrossFit. Um, you know, I, I hope that uh, everybody listening will have gotten an opportunity to, to hear some little tidbit of information that they didn't know about you, first of all, um, but gained a, a better understanding and an appreciation for um, how your profession and what we as, as CrossFit trainers do complement one another um, so that they can, you know, better understand that there's a role for, for each of these um, different types of training and, and they can know when they should be you know, talking to somebody about true rehabilitation as opposed to just pushing through their training because that, that's, that's the mistake that I've made a few times and I know better now and, and you know that's definitely to do with you guys being around making sure that I know better. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both. Thanks, Thank John. you. Time for the AM wrap-up for this episode. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Mike and Anita as much as I did. I can't help but geek out a little on the topic since I've developed such a keen interest in how their way of analyzing movement can apply to coaching. It's been a fascinating time working with them to absorb as much knowledge as I can and find ways to apply it. I have athletes in my classes, particularly in master's class, that have increased their range of motion significantly in the months they've been in the gym or developed new skills and new strengths And they very often tell me about how it has affected their ability to move outside the gym as well. And it's pretty rewarding to hear these stories and incorporating what I'm learning from Mike and Anita, as well as Brittany, another physiotherapist from their practice uh, that we also mentioned during our interview, who's also an athlete at Osprey. Well, it's invaluable. It definitely helps me add to my skills as a coach and as an athlete. A few links for you to check out uh, for things that we discussed in the episode. First, we mentioned uh, Judy Gelber, who runs Forward Movement Analysis and Rehabilitation. Um, She ran the excellent movement analysis for the Functional Fitness Athlete course that uh, many of us attended at Osprey back in June of this year. And it's a course that she travels with periodically. You can learn more at um, forwardmovement.me, and forward is F-W-D, and then movement.me. Uh, There are links to her Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, on that site as well. 
Um, we also talked about the Physios in CrossFit Facebook group. Now, it's a private group, so while you can search it up, you have to request access to join it, and it is a closed group specifically intended for the physiotherapy professionals out there. It's worth searching up for sure, uh, and Judy Gelber, who I just mentioned, is one of the founders and administrators of that group. Another group uh, that Mike and Anita and I have talked about and is worth mentioning, uh, even though we only glanced over it uh, in our discussion, is a group called PT on Ice, um, and the ICE stands for Institute of Clinical Excellence. They too conduct uh, seminars and continuing education courses, both online and live in person. Um, But interestingly, they also have a podcast called PT on Ice, uh, and they're relatively short episodes on a on a specific topic, uh, and they're they're really interesting to listen to um, and really dive deeper into some of the subjects that we touched on in our interview. You can learn more uh, by searching for their podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, um, and you can visit ptonice.com. And of course. If you'd like to learn more about Mike and Anita's practice, you can find them online at beaverbankphysiotherapy.com and youngkemptphysiotherapy.com. That's K-E-M-P-T, physiotherapy.com. Um, or follow them on Instagram or Facebook. If you search for them by either of those practice names, um, you'll find them on both of those platforms. If you like this episode, please consider writing a review on iTunes, like user Megbar1979, who I believe is a fellow member of the CrossFit Lynchpin private track community with me. Um, after my last episode, she wrote, Great informative podcast for those with an interest in all things CrossFit. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I hope to share more reviews in my next AM wrap up. Please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you automatically receive my next episode when I'm joined by another exciting guest to talk about fitness and health. You can also visit my website at boxjumper.ca and sign up for my mailing list. I'm working on some exclusive content for members of my emailing list, so be sure to add yours very soon. Thanks for tuning in. Some great fitness discussions are on the way. Until next time, get out there and move. Stay healthy, wad happy, and wad often.